friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my very skinny, naturally enormous-eyed, uh, golden body-painted co-host, Alex Dandino. Thank you for calling me skinny, that's very nice of you. You're welcome, my palate. As always, if you like the show, please take a second and leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcast app. It does help us out a lot. Mm-hmm. We have seen more of you doing it, and we appreciate it a lot. Thank you, guys. Um, find us on all your social media. We're really active on Twitter, at FilmAlchemist, number one. Uh, you can also email the show, FilmAlchemistPod at gmail.com. Let us know what movies you want covered, uh, new movies, Double features, themes, guests you'd like us to try to get on the show to talk about. Anything you want, we want to talk about. There's a lot of ways to um, get on On that us. note. Just a lot. Yes, that's right. Also, the YouTube. See our see the face of my young, beautiful palette over here. At Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. Um, as always, guys, the people who have reached out to us, we got treats for you. This is... Fan selection month, right? I hope you guys went back. Uh, my friend Brian Wilson and his brothers desperately wanted to talk Darkman. I think we got to some good good undercover dirt on Darkman. You know, I got to tell you, if I wasn't, I think I was at work when you guys recorded this, but God damn, dude, Darkman is one of my like all-time favorite, like, wow, this movie exists movies. It's so good. Yeah, the great thing about Darkman is as soon as you finish the podcast, you're like, I feel like I could go again. I feel like I got a whole other round of questions. <laughs> so maybe someday. Uh, but today, we are here to talk about our first fan-selected uh, movie, which is The Neon Demon. So this was actually uh, suggested to us. I have the Twitter name right here, at O underscore Danny Girl. Thank you so much. Uh, we have uh, been in contact recently. She's been following the show. She's the one who called, uh, who good, said you sound like Bill Hader, right? She's the one who mistakenly thought that you were me and said Bill Best. Hader. Didn't realize Best. I was manicuring this Orson Welles for the people voice. <laughs> but yeah, so oh, Danny girl hit oh, us up Danny with some girl. bangers. My fave. Yes, yes, my palate. That's fine. Shh, shh. Quiet now. Quiet now. Daddy needs to paint. <laughs> So, so here we are. Uh, the first selection of the many good uh, options Danny gave us, The Neon Demon. Starring L. Fanning. Is that is it L. Fanning? Not Ellie. L. Fanning. I believe Fanning. it's L. Fanning, yes. All right. Now, this was a fun one because this had been on my list of movies to watch for a long time. And I had never gotten to it, man. If, if I'm being honest, this is the movie that you kind of hear some mixed reviews it's about two hours long, and it's it's the movie I've been like, today's the day I sit and watch Neon Demon, and I just never got to it, man. So this was a really cool one uh, that Oh Danny Girl brought to us today. Had you seen Neon Demon before, Alex? No, I uh, make a point of not watching Nicholas Winding Refn movies over again. Uh, <laughs> I've now seen... But you had seen it. Uh no, the, not this one. I, I the, the story of like I have seen uh, all of them leading up to this, so it was actually kind of nice we got to see this one because like the last time the last time I watched a Nicholas Winding Refn movie was Only God Forgives, and I watched that mm-hmm. super high one day, and like I was just I was laughing the entire time. Like it's not a funny. You know what's movie. funny is this feels like the movie to watch high. It does, right? I feel like his movies. There's a, there's a part of me that if I watch this movie again, it will definitely be because I'm high. And I have some theories. 
per use that I haven't cracked all the way. Right. And I think uh, I think a little edible might help me with that. Yeah. Uh, what were your first impressions of this movie? Uh, very neon. So title check. <laughs> no. Um, More neon than demon. <laughs> no. Um. You know it. Look, I, I did not like Only God Forgives. I loved Drive. I thought Drive was great. But again, like Nicholas Wending Refn is an interesting director for me because he seems to make these movies that are just like art pieces like they're just like art installations mm. essentially and they have like deceptively simple stories to me as well drive for instance right. is super stylized and very like the palette's very specific drives very simple story it's literally about a guy who drives and he gets caught up with the wrong people and then he goes after the wrong people great cool end of story <laughs> i don't know what only god forgives is about because i was a super high and also laughing the entire time so the only thing i could really concentrate but what about on, neon demon what about right. neon demon? i'm getting there man god damn it dude let me build god uh, <laughs> okay i'll be the palette continue <laughs> but neon demon ultimately uh <laughs> neon demon also is deceptively simple story to me it's basically about horrible people who are models that uh, also dabble in sort of witchcraft I, yeah like, see this i'm not willing to say it's witchcraft a, some sort of pagan ritual perhaps you know what I don't but i never saw any like runic symbols or anything i don't know no this is what i grappled with right because the only thing we see that kind of precedes that is they do draw a symbol on the mirror to show Things going bad, right? We coming for your ass. Right. But it's not any kind of witch runes or druidic runes. No. It is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, an album cover from Green Day. It's Or Nirvana, right? It's like a circle with X eyes. So I was like, I don't think there's like a lot of deep magic going on here. That's that white girl magic. Yeah, that's that's that white girl magic. Uh, my My thought on the movie is, I felt like I was a little disjointed watching it, right? To me, it is it is very much in the vein of Black Swan and uh, especially the new Suspiria remake, right? Yeah, I agree. It feels like it's in that ilk of movie, mm -hmm. which I do enjoy, but that, that movie has a... Those genres, to me, have a difficult problem, right? I, I, as a viewer, am a little jaded. It's hard for me to just watch kind of these movies about the rich, upper-class life and just be like, Oh, it's so hard that I don't get to be a model. It's like, well, yeah, a lot of us don't get to be models. Right. Right. Like I could cut off three of them and still not be the size of a model. And I think my biggest issue with the movie is that I didn't I didn't latch on to any character. Right. Yeah. Like, I guess the closest you could come is her boyfriend, Dean, uh, better known as Bean, <laughs> seems like a mildly OK guy. Right. I mean, he is out there seemingly trying to make out and then maybe more with a 16 year old. I mean, again, this movie follows. <laughs> that's a, there, there's no moral, moral anchor for, or not even moral, but emotional anchor. But right. this, so this is my experience. I'm watching. I just was like, who am I supposed to latch onto? The first 40 minutes feel like three hours to me. Oh God. But then once it clicks, right, it felt like one of those movies and it almost hit me at the same time in the movie that it hits uh, Jesse, right? Like once it snaps and we see her walking the catwalk and there there is this bit of she's beginning to see the magic and power she has within herself. Right. We have this lovely kind of, you know, there's the battle of the blues and the reds, right? Like the, ma 
the uh, moon magic and then right. the, you know, period blood magic kind of right. thing that's going throughout the movie, right? <laughs> like this blood magic. Right. And yeah, it has like the very womb shaped diamond and then the placental pink as she's reborn on the catwalk. Yeah, just in she's case you're seeing herself. Just in case you hadn't seen the movie, uh, colors play a very big part in the sim- symbolism of this film. Right. I think that's a rebirth scene. I think that's a diamond uh, vagina of rebirth. And I in that moment, I found myself like, oh, okay. So now I was sinking into what the story was, right? Like, because I was like, this isn't Suspiria or Black Swan. This is fucking Battle Royal, right? <laughs> this is one of those where it's like, you're not going to sit here and be like, oh, someone's just doing the right thing. You're like, oh, no, everyone in this world is just out to eat. Yeah. Every motherfucker in this world is out to eat. And once I, I, I think that was the nice thing is it, it took me a while. I'm not going to lie. It took me a while to kind of snap into the story, right? It, and I do think, I think a big part of it, too, is I had that false start where she opens her door after her date. She's been signed. You can kind of tell there's some some chicanery afoot, right? And she opens the door, and we see something move in her room. And I was like, yes, yeah, here we go. The ever-looming, you know, fame monster, whatever it is. She goes and gets a man who just happens to be Keanu Reeves with like a little meth bouncer. And I was like, wow, okay, we're getting weird. I'm in for this. Yeah. And they open the door and it's a mountain lion. (laughs) I was was like, I I don't know what I was thinking. I think in my brain, I I think my brain's initial. I might have even uttered like a small onomatopoeia of just fuck. Yeah, really? my, I thought something. My cool wife was about and I were my wife and I were watching it. So Andrea and I were watching the movie, and like she was just laughing hysterically at the fact that Keanu Reeves was in the movie. And I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. What? Who else is gonna pop up in right? this film? Like, but that's what I'm saying. That's when you're like, this shit's kicking right. off now, and but I then, am ready. But then the mountain line, yeah. But then the mountain, you see the mountain line. You're like, because I was like, oh, cool. It's gonna be like she sees this thing. Because I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, great. This is very much gonna be like. You know, you see your own demons, like, but no one else does. Oh, it's cool. Interesting. And then literally it's just, it's a literal lion in her room. And you're like, okay, so, oh, oh, it's just a lion. All right, cool. That's Well, also I kept waiting for the lion to reappear in one of these kind of, uh, you know, moon and, uh, yeah, never happened. Absolutely never happened. Like it's just gone. I thought it was was the same as like. I had a pest in my room. <laughs> yeah, I thought I honestly thought it was gonna, I thought that too. I thought it was going to be a symbol of, you know, her mounting greed or something like that and instead or her like, you know, building fame, her her cunning in the wild. Nope, just oh, it's literally like if you had a mosquito. That's it. Or like, is it a symbol that everything in the world is a predator? Everything's coming to get you. Right? I mean, I think that was the problem. I'll be honest with you. I had this false start. I certainly wouldn't put it past Nicholas Winding Refn to make that overt symbolism a thing. Because I got to be honest, this movie is chock full of what I think is like really on the nose symbolism in a lot of ways. But I think a lot of it works, right? I think like one of the scenes I thought, like the opening scene I thought was really good, right? This kind of pop art photo of this girl with like the little pixie makeup blood everywhere running down the couch and we cut to just this really dark backdrop right this brooding little fucker and i was like oh we're doing creepy camera and now i'm like now we're getting into peeping tom territory right <clears throat> turns out no, that no guy such luck who starts out as the fucking creep right 
just boring into her. The male gaze of a serial killer just looking at her like she's fucking meat, right? Just disgusting meat that's supposed to have some kind of artistic value. I was like, yes, bitch, I'm, I'm here for this movie. And then they cut back and the couch was empty and the blood is still there. I was like, yes, this is working for me. And then it just kind of hits this, you know, like, oh, models are mean to each other. And I was like, yes, okay. Oh, okay. Then we get to the mountain. Like, okay. But then when we get to the, the, uh, the gold painting scene, I think that's another one of those moments where like, okay, I trust this movie is going to get me where I want to go. Right. Sure. I like that scene for a myriad of reasons. Did that scene do it for you? Yeah. I mean, again, it was one of those, it's, it's, again, I, I, I like the scene. It's fun. It's interesting. It's what I think you would expect from this movie. Not to say that that's a bad thing, but again, I, I agree. It's one of those moments in a movie like this that re-locks you in because to me, you lose a lot. Like I lost a lot. Like I thought like, that opening shot of her, like with the blood and all that stuff, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like we're just doing, yeah, we're doing like Lars von Trier mosaic stuff. Like that's how this is gonna go. <laughs> and then it cuts in there, and then it cuts into her like wiping the makeup off, and she has her first scene with Jenna Malone. And I'm like, I'm not really feeling this because again, like I have a big problem, which with- is weird because Jenna Malone's almost a guarantee for me in any movie. Me too, she pops man. Up Anytime she's in a movie, she's amazing. I'm pretty- and she's pretty. By the end of the movie, she is in. Yeah, and anytime she's in a movie, I pretty much lock in. I think it's weird though that I was not grabbed at the very beginning, and I think it's because I also have a problem with the way like his movies are written very stoically. Like people deliver lines as like one liners every time. There's never a conversation. This movie has amazing lines, though. Like, when I was taking notes, I found myself more than kind of dissecting what was happening, just writing the really good lines. Right. Right? Like, they're, like even something like that bathroom scene where the models are being very catty to each other, right? right. And they're mad because there's the new girl on the turf, right? There are still great, you know, that are you sex or are you candy, right? I was like, ooh, that's a fucking good line. And but see, this is this is the thing about the movie though is there are movies that don't immediately grab me and I, I would argue this movie's not wildly entertaining a lot of it, right? But in that scene I'm sitting there and actually I was wondering if Oh Danny Girl picked this. I wish I knew the real name instead of the Twitter handle. I should have messaged Oh Danny Girl Sorry, Oh Danny Girl. Oh Danny Girl, the Piper's calling the pipes, I'm sure that's not the, the pipes song. are calling. Oh I should yeah, your mom's a fucking show choir lady, of course. <laughs> But anywho, go ahead. <laughs> I wondered if this was a little inside baseball for me because I know I mentioned on the show that I am an absolute sucker for actors staring at themselves in the mirror and acting. Just act at yourself in a mirror. That works for me in every movie. And to put this in model parlance, this would be an overdose scenario on <laughs> mirror acting, right? Like, ah, ah, too much good stuff. <laughs> like, I'm really getting a lot of that in this movie and this has some really good ones right yeah because even that scene which i think is not a great scene and this is again this kind of falls in the problem is i didn't really find anyone to latch on to a lot right i think i was looking for the mentor character to kind of guide and protect jesse Mm -hmm. and jesse is just somewhat sitting there but in that scene you see a little bit of what makes jesse fun in this movie when she lies about yeah i'm always banging people yeah of course she puts on the makeup and the girls all leave, right? They go to like the strobe light party right, yeah. and she turns around and she's looking in the mirror like she's overwhelmed. 
But then we cut to the girls. We cut back to her in the bathroom alone in the mirror. And she fucking smiles, right? Now she's in the game. Right. She knows she's fucking playing him and that she had him. She got him a little bit, right? right? She put some fear in him. And that smile, I was like, now, now I get it, right? right. At first, she's kind of our our young, uh, you know, virginal. She starts off Ray as thing, quite, right? We're afraid we're giving her to the King Kong of modeling. Right. And then you're like, oh, wait, there's. I think that, again, like, I think Elle Fanning is such an amazing actress. Like, I don't know if you've watched The Great on Hulu at all, but she's absolutely fantastic. But she does. She she is. This is the best movie I've seen her in. She's been very good in other movies. She does such a good job being like the ingenue turned, like, I don't know if you'd say the word is vixen, but maybe femme fatale. Like, she does such a good job turning. Yeah, to me, it's just, it's absolute. She it's not even it's just power. She's she just she just does such a good it. job turning the screws in her performance. And it always yes. surprises me anytime she's in a movie, like even movies that I haven't enjoyed. Uh, she is she's in them. She's wonderful. Like, I think she's oh, yeah. absolutely incredible. Yeah, no, I mean, there there are just so many of those great moments, right? Like after we see the. After we see the uh, the catwalk, right, the kind of rebirth moment. We cut from that, right? Her kind of coming through this placental pink. Right. She cuts around the corner, and she's kind of got this almost 70s hippie outfit on. Long, straightened hair. But just immediately in her eyes, the shot becomes very predatory, right? The way she's looking. It's like watching a tiger picking its prey, right? And she's like, oh, photo bitch that just let me do the catwalk. I'm coming in and taking this room, right? right? And just watching her, and she goes to that booth, and the way she sits, right? The people are like, there's not room for two, and they blow her. And she just owns that scene. Every time they cut to her and her eyes, you feel the magic pouring from the screen. Yes. And I was like, that's what she's able to do so well. In that extra layer of this isn't just a helpless 16-year-old orphan who's in a big, scary city, right? right? There is this extra layer of, Oh, I'm here to get you just as much as you're right. coming for me. Not not the case by the and end. I think, I but I also think that, that is, scene is fantastic. Right. And I think that's the also the sort of the strength of the movie itself is not playing into that very easy to go to stereotype of like, like she still does a very good fish out of water, but it's not like the fish out of water that I think we're used to. Like I would, I would point to like the original Suspiria. Like that would be an example of what I think is, it's really good, but like it functions very well for that version of fish out of water. This one is much better. It she acclimates very quickly. She's a piranha rather than just a fish. Yeah, well, this gives you, and I think that's maybe one of the weird parts of the movie. I would, I would love to ask some of our wi- lim- uh, women listeners what they think, because it does feel when when she's up on that mountain, and she's like, "I turned sixteen a month ago." I was just like, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" Like, is that dad and an older guy? You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, this is not. And that's the weird thing of the movie is that the way they show. So then we cut to that scene, right? The black, the black scene, the photo shoot scene, the gold bodies. Right. It's I think that scene is what the movie does brilliantly is it puts us in this place of because one of the great things in this movie is the gaze, right? That she has that scene on the mountain where she's like, I can't sing. I can't write. I can't do whatever, right? I don't really have a talent, but I'm pretty. I can make money on pretty. Another great line. But then you see there is a bit of a talent in what she does, this ferociousness, right? But that scene is what the movie does so well, right? Where 
she comes in as this innocent girl. She's in this beautiful floral dress. She has her little, you know, she wrought golden crown adornments glued to her face, right? It's a, you know, all right, this is really cool. And he goes, close set. And even Ruby's kicked out. Ruby, the one we think is going to be her kind of like hip protector, you know, friend. Right. And all of a sudden it's that take your clothes off. And it's just this immediate, oh, God, what are they going to show me? Oh, oh, you know, you're really worried in this moment. And there's a great moment where she takes the clothes off and it's really close on her face. And it's just half a face. The eyeballs in the bottom corner closest to the screen. Right. And she's just praying for what's behind her. But she turns around and it's almost as if the background's changed. Right. The photographer comes through black silhouetted us, the audience. Right. And then he comes in and as he starts to touch her, it's almost fear but then she's into it and it has this disgusting you're like this is illegal and disgusting what i'm watching but you see her kind of embracing it and then it's oh it's for art so it's not creepy and it's that weird thing it takes the audience with we are watching something we should not see right and even when we cut out to jenna malone she's like i think that guy makes a lot of promises to young girl don't hang out with him anymore and you're, you're immediately snapped back into like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this isn't some artsy, you know, Goldfinger moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, you know, the other thing, too, is like leading up to her leading up to like the scene where um, she like rejects Ruby. I, I'll tell you, the, the image, the imagery in this movie, the scene that really like shocked me was the the knife, the knife choke. Keanu Reeves, like that whole thing. Oh, God. I did. Dude, that just, we got to do a thing on that because that just came out of fucking nowhere. It was nowhere. so weird. And I honestly, I was just like, the fuck? I didn't know what it was. A, I didn't know it was a knife at first. I was like, is she, is she like drinking something? What's that? And then. You thought it was like a popsicle? Well, no, I thought it was like he was like holding something and like it was just streaming into her mouth. And then he turns the knife like, oh, my God. No, please. God, no, don't do that. Yeah. But that's such a weird scene, right? Because this is after her somewhat ascension, right? Yeah. She comes back from the dinner. She knows she's owned it. Mm -hmm. uh, Bean is sitting on the stairs. Bean. He's like, you really want to be like them? She's like, no, no. They want to be like me. Right. And she goes upstairs. She's laying on the bed, kicking her feet, right? And this is the weird thing about how this is edited. So we see Keanu come out after... Those two talk on the stairs, which kind of hints at this. He heard it. He's coming up. We already know Keanu's a creep. He, he mentions to her boyfriend after he pays off her mountain lion debt. Hey, there's also a 13-year-old in uh, 214 you can go check on. It's some real Lolita shit. You're like, all right, well, Keanu's the worst. Sweet. Right? Well done, Keanu. So when you see him come out, yeah, exactly. You're like, all right, I don't like that he's coming out of his room. And she's up there. The very next thing we see is him in that darkened room with the knife. And then we cut back to her waking up and locking the door as it fucking rattles. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's a dream. But it's a weirdly specific yeah, dream that's... that has us see. Because this is what I'm wondering as an audience member. Both Bean and Jesse have left. Keanu's the only one in the frame. Yeah. Why show us that? If it's a dream, did you think it was a dream or did that really happen? Oh, I thought it was a dream, 
but I don't know why. Like, See, that, I wonder if it's it why happened. I, it's she honestly why I brought it up because I have to know yeah. what the significance of it because it literally has no bearing further on the film. Well, also, I it's it's weird because he's been in a bully position for her, right? But it kind of felt like once that guy paid off the mountain lion debt. I mean, he is a a perverted motel owner, right? But it just felt like a weird, and that has the scene too where we lock the door. And all of a sudden, she hears the door next rattle. Perhaps the uh, Lolita girl, the door fly open, and uh, she calls, I think he's killing her. Right. And we hear these horrific sounds. And again, I have to, is this also real? (laughs) Right? Like, we're getting into this phase now where, because of the unusual way that scene is edited, I'm not sure. I think... One of those two moments had to have occurred. I couldn't. I couldn't. I don't think that one. I think she heard. You're talking about if she. I don't think the knife thing. Happened. So you think the neighbor girl. That, but this is what I mean. Maybe just maybe. Because this was my other thought. They mentioned to her several times. The other girls, I think, mentioned her. Do you know how lucky you are? Right. Like maybe this is some kind of letting us know she had. Because we see her dancing in the moonlight. Like maybe there is a little bit of. She knows so she's not just the girl who um some Chad told right. she was beautiful in a food court, right? Maybe there's something more. But I was like, is that fucking Beethoven style premonition? That is an interesting wrinkle to add to the movie. It's just a And they had that weird shot too when she calls Ruby and she's listening through the door mm-hmm. where it's like a screenshot with the the floral pattern and she's it's a it's a very unusual sequence in the movie. Yeah, I don't fully understand it. And it was the thing I was trying honestly, like I honestly spent the rest of the movie like we watched this movie and I spent the rest of the movie trying to figure out what I just watched. Within that like span of like 10, 15 minutes, <laughs> I spent the rest of the movie like, why was the knife so far in her mouth? Why did she have it's, that dream? It's a brutal image. It's horrible. Right? What I wonder, though, because this is the thing, we we only see the, the movie shot in that regard, usually when we're in the midst of her performing, right? When she's kind of doing one of her performative moments. Right. I wonder if her coming in, riding high from that dinner and going to bed, there is some kind of, this is a performative dream state of her own. Interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't I haven't cracked that one all the way. Right. But I felt like there was something really important I needed to glean from that back to back because that knife is so intense of an image to just drop in. It's so weird. Like it it is really unless that's unless it's important that that is what scares her to run to Ruby. That would but it feels like you could have done again, that anyway. If She's that was the case, it would have to take place in context of the movie. And yeah, it would have happened anyways because she was hearing uh, what was going on in the next room. I, I just don't. Oh, good point. I just don't fully understand why it was in there short of scaring the shit out of everyone, making us all very uncomfortable for yeah, what was to I come. I mean, it's, it's fucking mean, intense. Well, it's a I mean, cool scene. Cause, I mean, you think <laughs> about it like because the following, you know, after that and after she rebukes Rudy uh, Ruby. That's pretty much what leads us to her death scene. So I'm just trying to like connect the dots. Cause when they like all come at her with knives, I'm like, is this like a premon? Is that the premonition? Like mm. is but the, then it's Keanu. Okay. Okay. Is the Keanu she feels the knife at her throat, right? Is Keanu Fig- figuratively speaking, is Keanu the symbolism for 
the power that all these other women have over her in a way I, the I seedy underbelly of la <laughs> i mean honestly yeah i mean he's a motel owner in la i mean i'm sure many people are yeah. quite nice motel owners in los angeles however it's a stereotype. Well, i think it's the weird thing because none of these women have any power over her right, right? um we see there's there's the girl that they call the bionic woman and she has one of the more devastating arcs to me right because she, she knows it's over. Like, even in that rebirth catwalk scene, she literally looks over her shoulder and knows it's over right. for her. Um, and that the director of that show has that great line where he's, uh, you know, everyone can tell when it's fake, when beauty is fake. Right. right? Like, everyone knows. And the moment you tamper with it, it's over, right? You're, you're only so... The guy says she's fine. And he's like, that's the word I'm... And that, that arc... How much she gives, right? She even has that line where it's um, nobody likes the way they look. And that is a constant theme for models in this movie. Um, even Christina Hendricks' character, when she's in it, she just walks out in the lobby. It's just like, you can go home. Yeah. I think one of the more horrific elements of the movie, right, is these women lined up who all are tall, beautiful, uh, this kind of picturesque image that we were – all raised on like from the moment i was a kid right right you had like that image that was like grocery store approved beautiful women and then like baywatch right like we had the baywatch image of like ah, oh, if you're a little more buxom right you know and your dad likes it a lot more like those were the two images i was raised on right and so you watch these women that have have all the gifts still be so fucking unbelievably helpless yeah in the face of this right like the um the scene when after the gold paint, she's kind of on the rise. Jesse is. She goes and sees the fashion designer guy. Mm-hmm. And the one girl who's absolutely, you know, stunning, right? The taller blonde girl. She does her walk, right? It's a good walk. She's very beautiful, whatever. She knew the director and she even, you know, hey, do you remember this girl? And his assistant kind of, and he goes, oh, like she's already played out, right. right? And to watch her go through that. And then when we see Jesse, he finally looks up and his eyes go big and he recognizes her for no discernible difference other than she's the new thing. Right. And we don't even see her walk, which I thought was like telling you a lot. They don't even film the walk. We see her head walking past other women and we cut down to there. And that's when the girl's smashing up the image of herself in the mirror. And it's that image of women just who seemingly have everything. In these absolute meat market scenarios where they have no ability to do anything Mm -hmm. in the helplessness and the fear that must have when your whole life is based on being beautiful and people just fucking dismiss you like that. I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to look that good for a day. And for them, it's nothing. Well, and I think that's the thing that I love the most about the movie in general is honestly like that. That is like kind of this weird stereotype that sort of like cutthroat world of fashion and it's done to such a degree that honestly it's it, it borders on comedy in a lot of ways like again i i know i'm jumping ahead but the last scene particularly is one of my like is easily one of my favorite scenes in the movie but specifically because he sees a i can't remember her name but like he sees her sitting in the window and literally goes you you're fired like this whole bit like and honestly yeah. <laughs> i bet that he fires not, the young girl who was just talking shit yeah. yeah honestly i bet that's not super far off from the truth like it's that kind of stuff that i think is really fascinating because again 
while it is a stereotype, it does have multiple layers within the movie itself because what we see going on behind the scenes and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot. It makes the movie more watchable and it makes it a little more, uh, right. it makes, it makes the detective work you have to do in this movie a little more worthwhile in my opinion. Yeah. And, and also I, th- I think that's an important point too, right? This kind of this legwork that we, the audience have to do because one of the issues I think the movie has is there's no relatable emotional <laughs> yes. character, right? right? All the characters are somewhat shitty. Like even Jesse is super buying into this, right? right? You know, from the start, like she's now like fully like I'm here to win and dominate. But I think what you see is that by turning the kind these cartoonish, cartoonishly creepy photographers and art men into these stereotypes when he's literally, you know, he has that line in the diner scene where beauty isn't everything. It's It's the the only only thing. thing. And you're like, that's such a fucking stupid, stupid person thing to say. Right, because it sounds very profound, but you're like, hey, guess what? 98% of us are not that beautiful. Like, even, let's say I think we're both guys who are like, hey, we're average. All right, but not, like, beautiful. Like, how many of us make money on being beautiful? Say I'm a solid four and a half. Almost none of of us make money. (laughs) I have all my body parts except for a working pancreas, so I'm a four. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But that's it. So it's it's just it's just a stupid person thing to say. But in that world, it it tells you every everyone in the room sits there in stunned silence as if he said a truth. And you're like, no, that's stupid. That's stupid, stupid, stupid. Yeah. But what it does is it turns these cartoonish men in this industry and Keanu even into the kind of villain of the movie where it makes these these women characters we follow more understandable maybe not as much jenna malone's character but the models definitely because you see why it is this industry that turns them on themselves right this you know instead of hey let's go start our own company and take really cool photos without all these fucking creeps spewing stupidity uh let's just attack each other and try to destroy each other right i think that becomes an important um emotional life raft if you will in the movie definitely it's i mean it's yeah it's what makes there's a very large part of it that i think pushes you towards the end of the movie in a very i think we talked about this before the pod like you kind the movie kind of doesn't click on so to speak until like what would you say like 40 minutes into the movie like for me personally it takes a while to it's like, weird because it, it feels like a like i don't know if cars do this anymore but when i was a kid and i got my first junker we had like the sputter where it'd go right and then it'd go and it was on and i felt like this right there were so many moments of brilliant filmmaking but again kind of false starts like we do the mountain line and i'd be mad and then there were other scenes where I'm like, oh, okay, she's smiling in the bathroom. Right. And then I, I just have to watch a strobe light performance piece where they're looking at each other. But I'm like, I don't feel like I'm getting a right. lot out of this. I like, mean, what's, I, I get but the then sense. once we get to this, once we get to the that diner scene, right? The catwalk scene on, it's really firing hard for the rest of the movie. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the power of the movie in general is that, and really like, Nicholas Winding Refn's power as a director is that he's very good at engaging his audience with like directorial imagery, I would call it like things that normally would not have a place in a movie work very well for him because he set up the movie in this way already. 
It's called the Neon Demon. We're starting with literally just a woman sitting there modeling, you know. That, to me, is what's fascinating about the way he decides to direct this movie is he sets up the world in the first 40 minutes. And then at 40 and right before we're all about to be like, can we like start the movie or are we just are we just going to sit there and watch girls bitch at each other and run around in blacklight parties? What's going to happen? <laughs> like right at that moment when I'm starting to question what's happening, when I'm st- when I'm seeing fucking mountain lions with no context, that's when the movie That's that's the one to me the mountain lion is the equivalent of the basketball scene in Alien Resurrection. <laughs> Like you know, you're like that's an immediate one star off. Oh, an imme- you're talking I, about. I still hold you know, it. If Alien Resurrection one? didn't have. I'm saying if Alien Resurrection didn't have that basketball scene, I think it's as beloved as Part Three. Wow, I think it's a fine Alien movie. With, right, with a- but that basketball scene, you're just like this is the dumbest of all the recreational activities they could have done. That feels like the worst choice. I was so <laughs> impressed by that basketball scene. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> me me and Nicholas Winding Refn understand it's from <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No. The fuck it, but I'm saying the mountain lion. Same thing. Yeah, totally. I mean Absolutely. I I am one who loves to go down the weirdest, deepest rabbit holes of art house symbolism bullshit. I love all of that. Even if it's not real, I love the conversations. You cannot, no one on earth convince me. That there was not a better choice than the mountain lions. <laughs> it's so weird. But yeah, I mean, that's like, it is like one of those weird misnomers in the movie. You're like, huh. Well, that never came back. All right. There's just a mountain lion in this movie for absolutely no reason. Never addressed again. It's. Yeah. It's bananas. Yeah. No, I, I I get it. Uh, we do have to get to this ending, though. We got to start unpacking some of this ending. A uh, Good Lord. When this thing starts. Uh, Jenna Malone acting against herself in the mirror, practicing her kissy faces when her friend just heard a murder, uh, hard time to go in for the, Hey, let's, uh, let's bump fuzz. Let's do this. Right. That's a hard, hard time to want to dive in on a new relationship. Yeah. She goes in and, uh, we find out that Jesse was lying as a virgin. There's some fighting that goes on and Jenna Malone straight up assaults her ass. Truth. Right. She no longer is the possible older friend and mentor protector. She is straight up assaulting her the same way. Right. Um, I thought that was kind of an interesting turn. Right. It, it it brings into effect even the the women who make up the girls for these men. It felt it felt like a good move in that moment. Right. That, that her lust. Right. That she paints these people like statuesque goddesses that. It went too far. They also talk about this mystic pole of Jesse, right? The difference is I was a little – I didn't love this moment for me because I felt that she honestly had a true attraction to Jesse. And I guess you could say that it, it might have just been lust and this boils over. I mean, um, I would say it's – But it's it's a straight up – I horror show what she does (laughs) i'd say based on the remainder of the movie it's myriad things that have been uh held up inside jenna malone's character that (laughs) force her onto rube uh onto jesse it's uh yeah it's it's it changes the rest of the prior veritable smorgasbord pick like honestly pick one as if it's not bad enough though right this is our character we think might kind of be cool 
then we find out maybe she just doesn't want him hanging out with the photographer because she wants to trap her by herself. You're like, oh, this is changing everything going backwards. Then, after she draws the uh, Green Day slash Nirvana logo on the mirror to show us she's sad, then we decide let's take the most likable character so far in the movie until that scene, and she becomes the least likable, and let's just go all in. Let's push all the chips onto the table and just have some straight-up necrophilia. Yeah. <laughs> I if, if I'm being... 100 percent honest didn't see that coming no i'll s- caught me quite off surprise <laughs> i'll say i uh <laughs> i certainly sat up when that happened and said oh well this is new that's something i have not seen in a movie uh not in this way at least well, and, and they they intercut it with this kind of grotesque fantasy she has of a girl that we know is 16 so weird and it's uh it's all the the kissing technique is just kind of an anteater setup it's it is a hard hard scene to watch it is i mean just yeah like they have the giant uh chest cracker scar by the uh where the titties are and you're just like this is this is now taken a, a turn it's and weird. I don't know narratively. <laughs> I always try to think, what narratively am I supposed to glean from a moment? Uh, this one felt rough. I was like, maybe well, we're seeing now her degradation of flesh. She doesn't respect any flesh. Well, I mean, I it's thought a lot- about a solar romance. Well, I, I thought I don't about know. that today, though. Like, why would that be a thing? And I realize, yeah. based on what happens when she's like, you know, Mother Moonlight type deal. When that kind of stuff starts coming up, maybe that is... And I was like, ah, oh, it's got to be a little bit of a stretch, but maybe that's almost part of the ritual itself? Like, it's a peculiar thing. Yeah, see, I I don't know that it's part of a witchcraft ritual. I was, to me, it was... Because that's the thing. You have to wonder. I don't assume Elle Fanning's actually walking through the house and Ricky Martining herself on all the furniture. You know what I mean? Like, oh, candle wax and ice cubes and sweating. And, is that, like, is that, a, is that, that a Ricky Martin not, thing? You don't remember the Levita Loco video? They did that in the Levita Loco video? Oh, man. He's, like, in a room full of candles. He's all sweaty. He gets the candle on his chest. He goes, ah. I, uh, it was one of those. I remember seeing that as a very young kid. I must. I, and just being like, oh, that's what sex stuff I is. That's sex stuff. I don't remember that at all. But, you know. That Ricky Martin video is muy caliente. It was on points as a kid i still to this day don't know that i've ever reached uh that level of fuego with the wife let me just answer i was like that is i'll answer i've never been in your boudoir i'll answer for you you haven't just so you know yeah well okay to be fair i'm i'm just gonna go out there and say it i would imagine many of us fall short when compared to ricky martin uh in sex stuff i'm just saying he's a very lovely man (laughs) he probably is a great partner at doing sex stuff and you know I don't feel bad losing to Ricky Martin. Not at all. I bet he's really good at it. But I'm just, I bet he's just you're, as you're good as Jenna Malone is at banging out corpses. <laughs> that That is <laughs> all kinds of horrible in the analogy department. Um, oh, gross. It's such a, but that's what I was like. What if I, the only thing I can think to myself is that this is a showing that really what she wants is to dominate something. Sure. Right. The makeup is her putting her mark on beauty so that she feels that it is partly hers. 
this is her taking over the flesh and the body the way she wanted to with Jesse, maybe. I still think you could have gotten there without the necrophilia. Yes. I was like, she did just attempt a sexual assault on Jesse. That's probably right. enough horror. Again, there's for her parts to do. in this movie where I'm just like, we're just doing this to like shock people back into the movie. Like, that's to me like that's like Keanu Reeves talking about a hot thirteen year old, like yeah, and with the, I mean, even to be fair, as we've had this conversation, I'm thinking back and it's like, wow, this is just a lot more hardcore shit than I imagined we would talk about. Yeah, but that's what the movie, <laughs> but again, like, that's what the movie does is it's sort of like, I think we might lose him here. Let's throw in like, I don't know, necrophilia. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, uh, I, I guess I'm on. Yeah. It's weird. It's I, a I weird- feel like you're going to lose more people with necrophilia than boring. I don't know. I, I I just would like a better explanation for what I'm to glean. Because if you don't glean, because if you believe that Jesse is walking around the mansion and in a Suspiria Three Sisters witch style story, that she is being led on a a pleasure map on a dead body to be Ricky Martining all over the furniture. And that's what sets her up. Because the next time we see her, to be fair, she enters a room with a gold bed and a blue dress happens to be waiting, right? Again, this kind of natural moon child energy uh-huh. versus the red uh, demonic blood energy that's coming. So maybe this is a pleasure map. Maybe this is uh, what that song was about. Your body is a wonderland, <laughs> right? Wow. Just walking you right wow. down to where you need to we be. We went from... Ricky Martin to John Mayer. My goodness, what is happening in this pod today? I got all the jams. Yeah. I got all the jam references. Got all the jams. But Michelle Branch saying, is next. It, it, this is another one where <laughs> I felt like there were some editing choices that were baffling because immediately I assumed this was Jenna Malone's fantasy to be able to stomach uh, a good corpse rub. But then I'm assuming this probably isn't the first time this has happened. You know, like it, it left me with questions, yeah. and then throwing Jesse, a sixteen-year-old girl, in there, felt really all kinds of wrong. And the next time we see her, she puts on the dress. Jenna Malone comes home, and she's standing on a diving board above a pool, in what feels like a scary place to just stand. And this is when she fully degrades herself, right? With the, you know, women uh, inject scrape starve themselves to try their best to look like a low rent version of me i think is what she, or knock off of me yeah and you're like oh you're just a full piece of shit now too like you're also not good in that i guess that one sentence right there's two moments of this where she says it out loud that she speaks it into truth right that she knows yeah. how amazing she is and why should she feel bad and everyone wants to be her and then the moment where the girl says what is it like to be um as bright as the sun on a, you know, snowy day. And uh, we hear Jesse say it's everything, right? So we yeah. knew some some of this existed, right? It's more poetic to say it's everything than every other girl jealous of this milkshake, right? Pretty much just straight up saying it. Right. And then we go immediately into now you're going to get murdered. Like that came on wildly fast as well. Again, no rituals, no robe, no chanting, no breaking just, into a locked door. Just, just a straight up good old. What's up? It's a good old yeah. fashioned murder, you know. That's it. Yeah, we're here to stab you because uh, you got a job over two of us, and the third one. Not wouldn't only are they well there enough. to stab them, they're also there to eat her. By the way, we're going to also consume well, her flesh. You're, 
You're jumping my poetic thread. You're tying knots in my poetic thread. Oh, my I was bad. leading them on a on a journey. Again, Daddy's painting. This is a palette. Daddy's painting. Sorry, I'll stay out of the way. My bad. I forgot <laughs> I forgot this pod's not a two. Like Jesse should have done to those knives. Stay out of the way. <laughs> but yeah. So she's running around the house, gets got. Right? She's not a fucking knife fighter. She's not uh, a great knife fighter. Then the movie really takes a leap. Now the 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 last ten to fifteen minutes gets really really insane. Yes. Uh this is where and this was cool because this was an old story. I heard this uh, countess or baroness of blood. I think she was called, but she used to drive through the local villages and she would take the young daughters of all the peasants until eventually they raided her castle. She used to drain them upside down of all of their blood and bathe in it and use it as like skin cream because that's how she thought she could stay youthful and beautiful. Right. Um, and I thought this was a this was another one of those moments that was really leading us here, right? The blue dress, the red, demonic energy, and now we really have it most, right? Uh they apparently were all in the bath together. Jenna Malone is still in it with like a Hannibal Lecter uh pizza skin face thing. Staring at the two models who are washing themselves down, right? They were in the bloodbath as well. I actually think this is my memorable scene of the movie. Not because it's just two girls in the shower. What I like is in this <laughs> moment, she proves one of dumb guys truisms, which is you can always tell when beauty's manufactured in that moment. Jenna Malone sees these two models, right? These two picturesque women who have now bathed in the blood of Jesse, who they are trying to steal her shine. Right. And she knows they're not, ever going to be they're not going to have that thing she knows that she has just destroyed one of the most beautiful things in the world so that these lesser things can imitate it and i think that's kind of a cool moment it's weird because again now we're we're watching through the eyes of this rapist murderer jenna malone right? yes but the insight i think is still an interesting one of this this thing that she's so coveted right now she sees the the knockoff version right and i think she she knows that it's it was for not right that you're not going all you did was destroy something more beautiful to help make you feel better about what you don't have which in a way is kind of what this whole movie was inevitably leading to i should have seen it coming sooner yeah i mean i think that that's like yeah it's the pursuit of it's the pursuit of the material, I guess, versus the immaterial. The I mean, I think that's like why when Jesse is killed, like her, you know, her line is very telling. When she becomes a total piece of shit, she loses her soul. Like she no longer is yeah. a person. She's this husk of a person that she used to be. I think Jenna Malone's character's pursuit is for the real. Like we were like we were saying, like the true the truism of beauty in this movie. So that's what Jenna Malone's hunting for. And so that's why I think there is this sort of like this sort of loss of shine while she's watching these two lessers basically bathe down. Yeah. And that's but that's what I think it's it's such a cool moment because I like the moment of sitting in this just unbelievably cinematic image of bath bloodbath chunks all over your fucking face like you're sitting in some, uh you know, family sized jar of ragu. Right, you're just like sitting in it, and you're just like, yeah, you know, I started out the week as a makeup artist. Now I'm a a rapist, dead body humping murderer, blood bather. 
You're like, this, this was not, this is not, I'm not proud week. of myself. In this. I'm not proud. And she also knows that she's not going to achieve. It's so weird. This, this, <laughs> this ending is so strange. Cause again, I tried to say that the predatory industry of the men in this movie kind of gives them some emotional tether, but then <laughs> in one few minutes, they fucking ruin every character. Hearing Jesse say out loud, right? No longer this innocent person on the, you know, the ride saying, I'm better than everyone. Fuck all of you. Whatever. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks. And then the other one is just humping bodies and raping and murdering. And the other two are just mad because they lost jobs and they're mur. It's just, they're all, they all suck now. And then we have to do like an extra 10 minutes with the two suckiest well, no, clearly Jenna is the worst because she also adds necrophilia and sexual assault. Right. But, you know, these two uninteresting, unengaging characters that we've spent a lot of movie with. Let's go see how their post career is going to fare. And I was like, I feel like I don't need that extra scene at all. Like, I get yeah, it. I mean, there, there's something poetic about we're trying to steal what she had for us. Sure. And Jenna Malone realizing it was for not and ending it there. The extra scene, I think, to your point, does come off a bit cartoonish. Oh, yeah. I mean, the ending of this movie is so just like, yeah, I, cartoonish is a great way to put it. It just, it, it's so, it's kind of tacked on. And then you have like that ending credits in the desert and you're like, all right, cool. Like, great imagery. But again, the like, desert, I wasn't even going to acknowledge. But this, the the idea of. The, the new young girl, right, who has a job, the new young girl gets the job. She gets fired for, um, you know, the, the blonde catwalk lady. So you think, oh, maybe this wasn't for nothing. Maybe there is some of this rubbing off. And then uh, the bionic woman going into the room and just she's so repulsed staring at the pool and she has this mental breakdown. That was pretty cool. You know, the, um, the I have to get her out of me and cutting with the scissors. Yeah is a perfect bookend for that opening image we saw of L. Definitely. I would say throwing up the eyeball, not strong. Yeah, it's pretty. Right, the blue eye. Because, it, it again, it's like the, the house has the blue curtains. The eyeball is a blue eyeball, and they're all dressed in red. The funniest thing about that scene is as this girl's cutting herself and throwing up eyeballs, they keep cutting away <laughs> to this, like, tight headshot of the actress who just looks like she's absolutely trying to crack the theory of relativity. I was like, just close your mouth. Like, look like you're engaged. Your friend's murder. <laughs> there is this blank reflective eyeglass. Yeah. So it's, I get the artistic moment. But I, I was like, it's not a very flattering shot. I honestly. And then she sees her friend die and slams the eye. The, not only it slams an eyeball, but a puke covered eyeball. Yeah. I honestly, extra repulsion because I she honestly will keep feasting her way to the Not door. only that she does all that and then she just walks back to work. I laughed hysterically and then the movie ended. <laughs> That's I mean it's again, I oh, what a weird movie. <laughs> it's strange and it, it took us places we didn't expect. What I think though is that the visual storytelling is so strong. There is so much great acting in this movie. There are so many great lines in this movie. I I can see why it got mixed reviews on reception because I think it's a little clunky and I don't really see where any of us are supposed to put our 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 base, right? Right. Like, who do I want to share a POV with in this movie, right? Who's my lens? Who's Who am I empathetic towards at all? 
And then you're like, all right, well, it's a battle royal, everyone for themselves. And it, it's better. And the, the end of the movie is just wild, wild, wild uh, thrill ride. But there's a lot of weird choices. But, you know, I, I'm one of those guys. I, I'm, I'm glad for weird choices. Because, like, this is a movie I'll be processing much longer yeah. than I, tonight. It's, you it's, know what I mean? And I think that's an added because, value. Yes, I think I'm glad for weird choices because it does take you to those places. And, again, it it what it does is make me, and I'll say this, I want to rewatch it. Yeah, which I've exactly. never said about a Nicholas Winding Refn movie. Once I've seen them, I'm, <laughs> I pretty much understand what they're about. And it's not to say that they're bad. But, like, this one I want to rewatch for content, not just because, like, yeah. I want to see the car chase again. I just fucking. Only God can forgive what Nicholas is going to do to you when he hears these fucking hot takes. It's not even a on hot... his oeuvre. It's not a hot take. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a uh, I think it's one of those interesting movies that is it's not one of those movies I feel like just misses. I feel like there's a lot uh, of good quality narrative storytelling going on in here and i i think it's a movie you'll gain from every time you watch you'll find those little things you missed that help connect it more and more um so oh danny girl from twitter this was a phenomenal oh, pick girl. it's always fun when we get to do a movie i haven't seen i think it's really fun to see like what our audience likes and yeah you know get out and find new movies that i've been putting off so Great choice. Oh, Danny girl, thank you so much for being a listener. We really, really appreciate it. Preach. That's it for Neon Demon and uh, all the great song references I brought you. You're welcome. <laughs> As always, if you like the show, please take a second and leave a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcast app. Find us on social media. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. The YouTube channel is Nerd Alchemist, plural with an S at the end. Uh, and we have more fan-selected movies. Um, maybe the movie that we are the least excited to ever cover but comes from one of our oldest listeners and friends. Uh, we have some good surprises coming for you guys, so stay tuned. Also, I'll go ahead and announce it here. I have finished recording um, episodes about the entire Back to the Future trilogy with our friends and returning co-hosts Mike Cloud and Kevin Wyman. That was such a fun trilogy to uh, re-explore. That'll be coming out uh, within the next two weeks. So stay tuned. Stay with us. Get at us with suggestions, guys. We are listening. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. 